Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Turn with me to Matthew 24, verses 3 through 8, and then another place is Luke 21 and verse 25. So Matthew 24 and Luke 21. I'm going to start reading in the third verse. This is Jesus and the disciples were on the mount, and he was teaching them about end-time things. And it says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives... The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. How many knows there's people out there wanting to deceive us? Amen. He says, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you not be troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Yes. And that word pestilence is defined as plague, bubonic plague, the black death, disease, contagious disease, contagion, infection, sickness, epidemic, pandemic. And I know that these are all terminologies and words that we've been hearing here of late on the news and everything. And I believe that the coronavirus qualifies as a pestilence, yeah. don't you? Yeah. And I want to show you some of the effects this pestilence that this virus is having on the earth. Jesus said in Luke 21, verses 25 and 26, and I'll be reading in the Amplified here, but I'm going to be reading in different translations as we go along. So if it doesn't sound exactly like your version, then don't worry about it. We're still in the Bible. It says, and there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. Now, how many knows we've seen blood red moons? We've seen the Bethlehem star. We've seen different comets and things like that. These are the signs that's in the sky. He says, and, and there'll be signs upon the earth. There will be distress, trouble and anguish of nations in bewilderment and perplexity without resources, left wanting, embarrassed, in doubt, not knowing which way to turn at the roaring or the echo of the tossing of the sea. And this particular uh, word sea is referring to a body of people. A lot of times in the scriptures, when you see the word sea, S-E-A, it usually refers to a body of people or a nation or a gathering, unless it specifically mentions the name of a sea. It's talking about people. And in this case, it's also talking about people. But this is a description of what's going on in the world right now uh, over this coronavirus, COVID-19 or whatever you want to call it. Nations are troubled. They're anxious, they're bewildered, they're perplexed, and they're without resources. You know, China is a fine example. They didn't even uh, publicize the coronavirus virus, as far as we know until a month after they 
contracted it until a month after they seen it. And why? Embarrassed, don't have the resources to deal with it, don't know what to do. And so they're perplexed. But thank God for strong leadership that we have in our president. He's a decisive man. He knows exactly what he's doing. He has a plan and he's executing it. Thank God for that. Amen. Uh, Well, I'm not going to get into it, but we had other administrations that had worse viruses than this. And you never even heard them. They said, just keep it quiet. We don't want to panic the people. Trump is up front. He has a plan and he's executing it. And we also need strong leadership in the church as well, because people don't want you to give them a Bible verse to quote and tell them everything's going to be all right. They want some common sense advice on what to do in the natural as well, because they want to know what I need to do when I go to Walmart and I'm standing in line over toilet paper. They want to know what to do when they go out on the street or they go to the workplace. They need some practical, common sense things to do. And and that's what we're trying to do for you. You know, it's great to have the wonderful promises of protection in the Bible. And we have plenty of promises. God promises in, in different places that he'll protect us. But even Jesus, when he was being tempted in the wilderness and the devil took him to the top of the temple, to the pinnacle of the temple, the Bible says, And he tempted him and he says, cast thyself down. And then he quotes the word on Jesus. The devil's quoting the word to Jesus. And he says, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And in their arms they shall bear thee up. And so Jesus turns around and tells the devil, he said, it is also written, you shall not tempt, test, Try exceedingly the Lord your God. So in other words, yes, that's the word, but I'm not to tempt God by jumping off of this. And, and you know, uh, what's that mean to us? Well, thank God for the promises of protection, but this tells us that we can't go around licking doorknobs. That would be tempting the Lord, amen? And so when we go somewhere, we have to have uh, some natural common sense to help us to navigate through all this mess that's in the world. The children of Israel were constantly instructed by God in the book of Leviticus or the book of the law. God was constantly telling them, wash. They had ceremonial cleansings for everything. He said, wash, wash, wash. And he says, purify yourselves. And God was the first one to actually implement quarantine. If you had an issue or some kind of a oozing sore or something, God says that you need to be quarantined. And then he had the priests that would monitor that quarantine and they would be the ones to watch that illness and watch that sickness for spread. And then as the person was beginning to get healed, now God could have healed them. They had a covenant of healing, but God gave them some practical common sense things to do in the natural. And so when they began to heal and they got to a certain place where they looked like they were healed, the priest would inspect them and then they would go through a ceremonial cleansing and then they'd be allowed back into the population. God knew something about germs. Amen. And and these are practical common sense things that we can do to protect ourselves from disease. So that's exactly what we're 
telling you to do. We're giving you some practical common sense things. Even though we're a faith-filled church and we're faith-filled believers, there's things that we can do in the natural as well as the supernatural. Yeah. Pastor Hagen always says that when the natural uh, meets the supernatural, it, it makes for an, uh, an explosion for God. Yes. And so we need a blend of both. And, you know, Pastor Ed and I have been doing a lot of research and reading and watching different uh, news feeds and uh, shame to admit it, but even Facebook. But I'm telling you, don't believe anything you see on Facebook. If you don't hear it in the news, preferably Fox News uh, or from Dr. Oz or one of them guys that you can trust halfway, don't believe anything on Facebook. But we noticed that there's a lot of people on Facebook with all kinds of advice. And a lot of it is wrong. I mean, they even come up with their own coronavirus te virus to take a deep breath and hold your breath for 10 seconds. If you could do that, you don't have the virus. Uh, thanks, but no thanks. I'll see a doctor. But verse 26 says, men swooning, fainting away or expiring with fear and dread and apprehension and expectation of the things that are coming upon the world. That's Jesus talking. And so uh, he told us in many different places not to be anxious for anything, but in all things by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And so he knows anxiety, stress, worry is no good for us. And so here he's saying these are the things that are coming upon the world, but you're not of the world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. And I can tell you that God sent 10 plagues on Egypt because they wouldn't release the children of Israel. And uh, none of them plagues touched the land of Goshen where Israel lived. And so that's a type and shadow of the believer's life in the Holy Ghost. Protection from whatever's going on in the world. Egypt represents the world and Goshen represented the kingdom of God. And when there was darkness in Egypt, there was light in Goshen. When there was pestilence in Egypt, there was none in Goshen. When there was death in Egypt, there was none in Goshen. So we need to stay within the boundaries of the word. Stay in Goshen because that's the place where we're safe. If you go anywhere else, you're not safe. God says, put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and lentils of your house. And when the death angel passes over, he'll not be allowed to come into that house. Well, what happened if you didn't apply the blood? You're dead. He says, stay in the house. What happened if you left the house? You're dead. So we need to stay within the confines of the word. Do what God tells us to do and we'll be safe. Amen. And don't lick any doorknobs. But he says all these things are coming on the world and they're causing all this fear and apprehension and all this expectation of, of terrible things. And, you know, every time you turn on the news, you hear about another earthquake, a, a famine. You hear about a tornado right in neighboring Tennessee and hurricanes and some other natural disaster of some kind. And this coronavirus has men fainting uh, with fear and dread and apprehension. And do you know there is 306, they, I'm not sure exactly, I never personally counted them, but the Bible scholars say there is 365 fear knots in the Bible. One for every day of the year. And anytime you read the word, God or one of the disciples are telling you, fear not. Yes. You know, be courageous, be strong and very courageous. Fear not. Yes. 
Why? Because fear will strip you of your faith. You can't be believing God's word and be in fear at the same time. It doesn't work. And, and you know, it's actually not the coronavirus pandemic that we should be concerned with. It's the pandemic of fear that we should be most concerned with. I mean, if you're quoting scriptures and you're in fear, you're just wasting your time. Because fear is stripping you of your faith. You can't be in fear and faith at the same time. So choose you this day whom you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the word, the, the, the Lord. I believe the word before I believe the world. Uh, and, and, you know, your pastors are keeping a close eye on all this stuff. And, and, and we're keeping up with the information on the coronavirus. And we're getting it from reliable sources. And, and when we receive it, we'll pass it on to you. But at the same time, uh, we're using our God-given discernment to filter some of the information that's coming down the pike so that before it gets to you, all the fear has been feared out of, uh, been filtered out of it, all the apprehension, all the anxiety, all that stuff. And we're going to give you a good report, something that you can really grab a hold of, something that you can do in the natural that's not impossible for any of us to do. Plus, we're going to introduce you to the supernatural Amen. and trust God for the things yeah. you can't do. And if you don't, you know, if you don't think there's fear and panic, go to Walmart, go to Sam's Club. Yes. You'll see fear and panic in the other people, but it shouldn't be in you. So what? You can't get a pound of hamburger. Eat something else. There's something on the shelves. Find something else and eat that. I couldn't even get peanut butter the other day. And I don't even eat that much peanut butter. I was thinking of the kids, you know. I mean, what are people thinking of? Noodles. Pasta sauce, uh, peanut butter and jelly, bread. These are the things you can't get. I'm thinking of eggs and bacon and, you know, and now I can't get eggs and bacon. But Miss Laura and Chris got a son from a farmer where they, close to where they live. So we got eggs, hallelujah. But I'm not going to think the world is coming to an end because I can't find my favorite biscuits or something. I'm just going to find something else. I'm not going to starve to death. Hallelujah. But, you know, what does toilet paper and paper towels have to do with this virus? Why are the shelves empty of canned goods, bread, meat, and milk? What, what does that have to do with this virus? Nothing. It's because of fear and panic and greed. And don't get me started on hoarders. It's too late. You already got me started. I happened to be at Sam's Club the other day, and... We needed toilet paper and we needed uh, some other things. And I go to the aisle where the toilet paper and the paper towels is, and all it is is empty pellets. So I said, oh, well, it ain't the end of the world. I got leaves in the backyard if it comes down to that. I ain't worried about it. I'm not going to lose my salvation over it. But while I was there, praise be to God, he comes out with two pellets, one of paper towels and one of toilet paper. I was right there. He didn't even make it to the paper towel rack. He dropped it by the freezer cases because he didn't want to get mugged. So I just calmly went over there and grabbed me a case of toilet paper and put it on top of my cart. I looked at the paper towels and I thought, no, I don't need paper towels. I'm not going to get them just because they're there. Maybe somebody else could use it. But all of a sudden, here comes the locust. Whoop, whoop, and the pellets were empty. And they had two and three 
cases of each one on their carts. They're, they're walking down the aisle like this. You know, they couldn't even see. They had it stacked up so high. What is the point in that? And, and same thing with the food. You know, all the decent canned goods and vegetables and things like that. Brother Darrell, I think you said you couldn't even get enough food to make some soup or something, you know. And it's because people are hoarding and they're greedy and they're so worried about themselves. They don't care about the little old man or the little old woman that's trying to make it from week to week that goes in there to buy a four pack of toilet paper or some canned goods or something for dinner that night. And they can't find anything. <laughs> Makes me fighting mad. I wanted to knock them down and tell God they tripped. I'll be honest with you. And I'm in it now, so I might as well keep going. <laughs> I'm not telling you what to do about price gouging, except this. I'm not buying a little four-ounce purse-sized hand sanitizer for $29 on Amazon. But I got a good memory, and I'm going to remember that. Amen? And I will do without something before I let somebody gouge me in the eye over something. There's alternatives. There's plenty of bar soap on the aisle. It don't have to be antibacterial soap. Get you a bar of Dove or a bar of Dial if you can find it and wash your hands with that singing happy birthday to me and it will clean and sanitize you just as good as any of them other ones. We're not out of soap yet. Hallelujah. Yeah, laundry detergents are gone. Why? You wouldn't clean two months ago. Why are you getting clean now? <laughs> Don't be a hypocrite. Now, when all this is over, you're going to see it all over Facebook and, and Marketplace and eBay and all of that. And it's going to be cheap. But, you know, with times as perilous as they are, it's important that we, we stay in faith and out of fear. It's important that we claim the promises of God for protection over our lives. And it's also important that we do everything that we can possibly do in the natural. Yes, amen. You know, Paul said, after having done all to stand, stand therefore. So, you know, if we haven't done all to stand yet, we didn't wash our hands yet. We didn't take the precautions in the natural that we need to. You're not ready to stand on the promises of God yet. Amen. Do what you can, then stand on the promises that you can't do. And all of us refer to certain scriptures more frequently uh, than most verses, but uh, we all have a pet scripture. And, and our scripture passage that we're, we always claim for protection is like Pastor S says, Psalm 91. We gave you a copy of it, a personalized uh, quote of it. And, and Pastor Ed and I pray this over the church and our family on a regular basis. And of course, when we claim this psalm, it's important to abide by its guidelines. Every promise of God has a condition. Yes. He says, if you do this, I'll do that. Yes. So that tells me if I don't do that, this, he's not going to do that. I have to do what he tells me to do before I can claim the promise. And I said this to someone one time. They said, well, there's no conditions on salvation. Salvation is free. Oh, yeah? Why, does, why did Paul say that you must believe in your heart and confess with your mouth? Then you'll be saved. Amen. That's the condition. If you don't believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, not one or the other, but both, thou shalt not be saved. Amen. 
There's a condition on every promise. We jump straight to the promise and claim it without knowing the condition or fulfilling the condition. And the 91st Psalm is no different. And I noticed on Facebook, you can't hardly peruse Facebook uh, without seeing somebody posting Psalms 91.10. No evil shall befall me nor any place to come nigh my dwelling. That's it. That's all they said. But that, you just can't isolate a scripture like that and claim the promise from it. You know, quoting that verse by itself is taking it out of context because we look, overlook the very important prerequisite that this promise uh, needs to be fulfilled. So this morning we're going to analyze Psalm 91 and break it down verse by verse. We know what to do in the natural. We gave you information. We got you wiping your hands and cleaning your hands. And we clean the church. We're doing what we can in the natural. But now I'm going to give you the supernatural. Because when the natural and the supernatural comes together, it makes an explosive force for God. So we need both. We need the supernatural and we need a common sense approach. So this morning we're going to analyze it. We're going to break it down verse by verse because without a proper understanding of the whole psalm and the conditions and prerequisites, verse 10, no evil shall befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling, uh, it, you're not qualified for it. So if you look at the first three verses of Psalm 91, I'm going to be reading it in different translations, so uh, don't think I'm getting away from the word because it doesn't say exactly like yours does. But in the first three verses of the psalm, you'll see the conditions. You'll see the prerequisites. It says clearly, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty whose power no foe can withstand. And then it says in verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. On Him I lean and rely, and in Him I confidently trust. And then in verse 3 it says, For then, for then, after you meet the requirements of verses 1 and 2, then He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. See, you can't just jump to verse 3 and claim that. You've got to be somebody that's dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God. And, and, and you've got to be someone that said, He's my Lord. He's my refuge. He's my God. He's my fortress. And I lean on Him, and Him only do I lean and confidently trust. Now you're qualified for verse 3. Now He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, or the traps of the enemy, and from the deadly pestilences. And that includes the coronavirus. So to dwell in the shelter of the Most High means to live in constant communion with God. We had a study a few weeks ago where I talked about if you abide in me and I abide in you, talking about Christ, you know, you're, I'm the vine, you're the branches. So if we're not abiding, we don't get the following promises. And so it's the same thing here. To dwell in the shelter of the Most High means to live in constant communion with God. Place Him first in our lives. And doing these two things must be our number one priority if we want any of the promises in the 91st Psalm, including uh, 91.10. And so 
We have to concentrate on putting him first in our life. I'm not asking you to do a difficult thing. It is not hard to think of God before you think of yourself. Amen. It's not hard of thinking about God before you make a decision for your family. Just, you know, in constant communion doesn't mean you're on your knees praying all the time. It means that, God, I'm getting ready to go to Kroger. I need your protection. I need your guidance. Should I go this way or should I go that way? Is this a good time of the day to go or should I go later or should I go earlier? Just talk to him. If you're in a constant relationship like you are with, everybody has a relationship with somebody. I hope you do anyway. A husband, a wife, a, a children, a, a close friend. But if you're in a relationship with somebody, what do you do? You communicate. You talk to them. If you're not talking to them, it's not much of a relationship. If they're not talking to you, it's not much of a relationship. So he's not asking much. He's just saying, commune with me. Talk to me. And not only talk to me, but listen to me. Let me say something. Amen. And, you know, doing these things, it puts him first. He's, he's first most or, or foremost on my mind. Amen. I don't want to make any important decisions without him. Uh, Pastor Red won't even, she asks him where to park when she goes to the mall or something. I ain't that refined. I don't care where I park. But you can ask him even simple things like that. He won't get upset at you. I mean, you know, it's, it's like we can't put God on a shelf and neglect our relationship with him until some tragedy happens or we find ourselves in a, a dangerous situation. And, and then we want to take him off the shelf and run to the shelter of the secret place. And that's great. I mean, thank God you know where to run when you get in trouble. Uh, that's fine. But he's saying you should actually be living there. Right. Not coming and going as, you know, the situations and the circumstances come up in your life. Oh, I'm in trouble. I better run to God for protection, you know. Oh, this is happening. I better run to God. No, stay in there. Stay in the secret place. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like... He doesn't want, he's not looking for occasional visitors. He's looking for someone that's going to take up residence and dwell in his presence. And that word dwell means to reside, to live, to have one's home, to have one's residence, to be settled, to be housed, to lodge, to stay. It means to hang out. Hang one's hat. It means this is where I hang my hat. You know, where do you live? I live in the shadow of the Almighty. I live in the secret place of the Most High God. That's where I hang my hat. Now, I don't mean you're there all 24 hours a day. You got things to do. You're living in the world. You got things to do. But you don't have to leave his presence ever. Remember, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. I don't care where you are, where you go. He's there. So just stay in his presence. Stay in his will. So when God says he who dwells, He's not a, a referring to the occasional visitor. He's talking about a continual inhabiting. In, in other words, we're, we constantly have to reside in the secret place of God. It must be our permanent home, not just a place we visit when we get in trouble. Now, if you get in trouble and you ain't been abiding, run to him anyway. Amen. That's where your help's going to come from. But we should be able to dwell there. We should be able to stay in his presence. 
And when we have this kind of relationship, because that's really all it's talking about is a relationship. It's not talking about a physical place that you need to be all the time. It's a relationship. I don't care where you're at or what you're doing. If you're in relationship with him, you're in the shadow of the Almighty. And I've used this illustration before. The Old Testament children of Israel, they were going through the desert. They had a cloud by day to keep them covered from the heat. And there was no friction under the cloud. And then they had a fiery pillar at night to keep them warm. And it protected them at night. And and, uh, if you decided to do your own thing and get out from under the cloud, you were on your own. That's when the devil would get you. The wolf waits for the straggler and that's the one he eats. Amen. But you stay under the cloud and that cloud in the New Testament and with us represents the hand of protection from God. Stay under that cloud. Stay under that hand. That's where your protection is. That's where your provision is. Is under God's hand in the shelter of the Almighty. And, And you know... You have to declare boldly that he's my refuge, my fortress, and it's on him that I lean and rely and trust. In other words, in times of trouble, we can confidently know that he will protect us and care for us because we're already there. He's got us surrounded. Nothing can touch us. Now, I don't want to be a buzzkill, but because I love you, I have to tell you the truth. And this is talking about something that is more than just Sunday morning Christianity. It's not talking about even Sunday and Wednesday Christianity. Those are visitors. It's talking about what you do uh, 24-7, 365. What you do when you leave here. This is talking about an all-in type of relationship with God. That's the one that the promises of 91st Psalm is. And again, it's not hard to be in an all-in relationship with him. It doesn't mean you have to become a monk. It doesn't mean you have to become a pastor or a minister. This is for everybody. And the reason I'm saying this is because I don't want you to have a false sense of security thinking that you can quote a verse of scripture that somebody posts on Facebook without meeting the prerequisites of that, you think that, oh, no evil is going to befall me, no plague is going to come near my dwelling, and you don't even qualify for that promise. I want you to qualify for the promises that you claim. And again, it's easy. It's not hard to qualify. I just love you enough to tell you the truth. If you want this promise to be active in your life, you have to meet the conditions of it. You have to meet the prerequisites. You have to dwell under the shadow of his power and protection. And you have to declare him to be your refuge and your God. See, it's great that we've got hospitals and doctors. It's great that we have antibacterial soaps and we have different things that we can do in the natural but that should not be your primary place of residence your primary place of residence should be in his presence under his shadow under his wing the new international version translates verse one like this whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty you don't even have to be in the shelter just be in the shadow of it and you're protected He's not asking a lot. Then, after we've taken up residence in him and we're dwelling under his shadow, then the word tells us, surely he shall deliver us from the snare of the fowler, the traps of the enemy, and from the deadly pestilence. 
I wonder if that means a coronavirus. And then verse 4 says, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Now, I don't want to upset anybody or disappoint them, but God doesn't have feathers or wings. It's a metaphor. It's a word picture of his protection and his shelter. And Jesus gives us an example of this in the latter part of the uh, 13th, in the latter part of Luke chapter 13, verse 34. He's lamenting over Jerusalem. And he's, he's on the hill. He's looking over Jerusalem just before his crucifixion. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her brood or her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. The Jews rejected him. They rejected his gospel. And he's saying, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come under my wings. I'll protect you. And whenever there's a danger to a hen's chicks, she'll gather them together under her wings and protect them. She would even sacrifice her life to save them. And this is exactly what Jesus was willing to do for the Jewish people. And he did it. And we accepted it before the Jews did. And I'm so glad he raised his wings for me one day. And I'm so glad that when he did, I ran under his wings. And he protected me from death, hell, and the grave. And he saved me by sacrificing himself. I'm so glad that he called me under his wings. Psalms 91.4 illustrates that kind of protection for us. Whatever danger comes our way, our Heavenly Father so covers us with His protecting arms that the enemy can't touch us. And, and this passage tells us that God will deliver us from any harmful situation or circumstance that may come our way, and that includes any type of sickness or disease. Amen. Amen. And then he said in the latter part of verse 4, His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. And, and Jesus said in John 17, 17, while he was praying for his disciples, he said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. He's talking to God. And so in other words, verse 4 can be translated, His word shall be thy shield and buckler. Uh, Paul said to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. And, and verse 4 in the New Living says, His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Amplified, uh, classified version says, His truth and His faith, faithfulness are a shield and buckler. His truth, His word, and His faithfulness, they're a shield and a buckler. That's my armor. What God promised me is my armor. You can't touch me because I'm armored in the promises of God. And then an easy reader version says, you can trust him to surround and protect you like a shield. When? When you're dwelling in the secret place under the shadow of the Almighty. Look at verses 5 and 6. He says, you shall not be afraid or fear not. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. And then he says, a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. 
Only a spectator shall you be yourself inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High as you witness the reward of the wicked. You're in the secret place of the, of the Almighty. You're, uh, you're hiding under the shadow of God. And you're witnessing this pestilence. You're witnessing this destruction at noonday. You're witnessing these arrows flying by day. But they're not touching you. And the wicked are falling all around you. Amen. A thousand at one side, ten thousand at the other side. But it doesn't come near you. Why? You're sheltered under the shadow. You're sheltered by the promise of God because you are in a relationship with him. And these are some of the, the benefits of dwelling in a secret place. No fear of night terrors or things that go bump in the night. Right. Night is usually the time when a lot of evil things occur. Treasons and plunders and robberies and murders, all kinds of evil and even diseases. But no fear. Right. We don't have no fear. No fear of day arrows. This is talking about the dangers that come during the day. A car accident, kidnapping, purse snatching, held up at the Walmart over a roll of toilet paper. No fear of pestilences. No fear of noonday destructions. No fear of nothing. It doesn't make any difference if it comes at night or at noon or any time of the day. No fear. In other words, it doesn't make any difference of what they are or when they come. Dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, a thousand fall on my left side, ten thousand on my right side, but it don't touch me. And I just observe. I'm a spectator. I'm under the shadow of the Almighty watching all this stuff go on around me, but it's not getting near me. Psalm 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. I'm walking through the shadow of death. There's death on the left, death on the right, death all around me. But I'm walking right through the shadow. I'm in the shadow of it, but it's not touching me. Hallelujah. Why? Because I'm under the covering. Psalms 91, 9 through 12 now. Because you have made the Lord your refuge and most high your dwelling place, it seems like we go back to Psalm 91.1, right? Where we've declared he's our Lord, our, our refuge, our fortress. It says in verse 10, There shall no evil befall you, nor any plague or calamity come near your tent. For he will give your, his angels charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. They're not obligated to protect you when you go off on your crazy way. But when you're walking in obedience and protection, they are there to protect you. He said, they shall bear you up on their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. Remember, this is what the devil quoted to Jesus up on the pinnacle of the temple. Verses 10 and 11 in the New Living Translation say, No evil will conquer you, no plague, no coronavirus, I added that, will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. That includes Walmart, Kroger, my job, my school, anywhere else I go. I'm protected. Why? Because I've obeyed God and I'm doing what he said and I'm dwelling in the shadow of the Almighty. I'm under his wing. His feathers are protecting me. I don't need to worry about any of that stuff, let alone fear it. So we should quote these verses all the time when you're being threatened by evil. 
And this is something you need to tell the devil, especially when symptoms try to fasten themselves on you or any family member of yours. You say, I don't think so, Mr. Devil. You can't put that symptom on me because we're abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. No plague will come near my dwelling. No evil will come near my dwelling. That's the promise of God. And we're wearing the armor of God. The promises of God are protecting us. You can't touch this. Go somewhere else. And here's the, the reason no evil will befall you or any plague will come near your dwelling. You remember verses 2 and 3? Verse 14 is a summary of verses 2 or 3. He's kind of surmising it and putting it back together again. He said, because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. In other words, because you declared your love for the Lord, he said, I will deliver him. I will set him on high, not low, because he knows and understands my name, has a personal knowledge of my mercy, love and kindness, trusts and relies on me, knowing I will never forsake him. No, never. Amen. That's relationship. Yeah. That's all you got to do is have a relationship like that where you know what he will do for you. Yeah. Trust in him. And finally, the crowning promise in the psalm is in verses 15 and 16. He says, when they call on me, when you call on me, I will answer. I will be with you in trouble. I will rescue and honor you. I will reward you with long life and give you my salvation. What a wonderful promise. It all comes down to this. But let me ask you this. How did we get to long life? How is he going to satisfy us with long life? He said, I'll satisfy you with long life. And, I, and I'm telling you, I've told people this before. If you're not satisfied yet, don't die. If you ain't satisfied, live longer. Amen. And that's what he's telling us. With long life will I satisfy you. You don't have to die at an early age. You don't have to die of the, one of the devil's stinking diseases. You don't have to die in a car accident. Not with these promises. All you got to do is make sure you fulfill your obligation and you stay under the shadow of the Almighty. You commit to Him as your Lord and Savior. All you got to do is have a relationship with Him. He'll protect you from all that stuff. How did I get to live so long? Because He kept me from the terror by night. The terror by night didn't get me. He kept me from the arrow that flies by day. The arrow that flies by day didn't get me. The pestilence and destruction didn't get me. The evil and the plague didn't get me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I mean, I, this is why I have long life. All those things he promised me couldn't get to me. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so then we take the promises in Psalms 91. After we're sure he's first in our life and we're dwelling in the shadow of the Almighty, then we confess them daily and believe what God has promised and then watch them become a reality in our life. See, now when I quote, there shall no evil befall me, neither shall any plague come nigh my dwelling, I can claim that promise because I met the pre-qualifications for it. He's my God. He's my fortress. He's my refuge. In him do I confidently trust. In him do I rely on. I'm staying under the shadow of the Almighty. Oh, I'm going to go to the grocery store, but I'm staying under the shadow. Why? Because the shadow will follow me to the grocery store. The shadow will follow me anywhere I need to go. 
And I, this is no spooky thing. This is the presence of God will follow me. Angels will go before me and trip all the traps and snares that the devil set before me before I even get to him. I'm protected. Hallelujah. But I still don't lick a door now. See, our pastor, pastorettes and my pastor, he said this, in order to face everything that's going on in the world and to not be full of fear, we have to rely or we have to live our faith every day and in every situation of life. He said, no more Sunday morning Christianity. We're either all in or we're not in at all. And he says, when we know that Jesus is Lord, we can face life fearlessly, knowing that the Lord will always be there for us, fighting our battles with us and bringing us to victory. Because he said he'll never leave us or forsake us. Why? Because we're in the shadow. We're under the, the wings and the, the feathers of the Almighty. He can't leave us. You know, it's like that. I told you about this one minister. He said that him and his wife got in a big fight. And she said, that's it. I can't take no more. I'm leaving. And she went into the closet and she started packing her clothes. And he said, I went in right behind her, started packing my clothes. He said, I don't know where you're going, but I'm going with you. So <laughs> he's the one that she told that, you know, we both had the same problem. We, or, or, I tell you what our problem is, is we're both in love with the per same person. And that's you. So he said she couldn't leave him because he was going to follow her. That's kind of how it is in our relationship with God. We can't leave him because he's going to follow us. He won't leave us. He won't forsake us. We're going to be together forever. It's me and you, God. Amen. I ain't leaving him. There's too many wonderful things about him. I'm not leaving him. And he said he won't leave me. So as long as I don't leave him, I'm good. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to, you know, that's the... That's the supernatural side of it. Now that we understand this psalm, I want you to, you know, we gave you a copy of it. I want you to quote it every day. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it in the bathroom, in front of the toilet. I don't care where you put it. Quote it every day. And understand that uh, you have to be dwelling in the secret place, under the shadow. And then all those things will come to life in your life. Amen? Now don't repeat after me, but... But read it with me. Ready? Read. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover me with his feathers, and under his wings I shall take refuge. His truth shall be my shield and buckler. I shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at my side, and ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Only with my eyes shall I look and see the reward of the wicked, because I have made the Lord, who is my refuge, my refuge even the most high, my dwelling place. No evil shall befall me, nor shall any plague come near my dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. In their hands they shall bear me up, 
lest I dash my foot against a stone. I shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, I shall trample underfoot. Hold it right there a second. You know, the Bible talks about the devil walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Who he may devour. That means he's not devouring everybody. He can't devour everybody. Who's he not going to devour? The one that's in the secret place. The one that's under the shadow of the Almighty. The may nots. Say, I'm a may not. He may not devour me. Amen? And so, you know, the, uh, what it's talking about, the young lion and the serpent I trample underfoot. The serpent represents any of the works of the devil, any of the works of the evil uh, one. In Revelation, he's called that old serpent. So it's talking about the devil and any of his works. I'm going to walk all over the top of him. He's under my feet. Amen. And then it says in verse 14, because this is why, because I have set my love upon him, upon God, therefore he will deliver me. He will set me on high because I have known his name. I shall call upon him and he will answer me. He will be with me in trouble. He will deliver me and honor me. With long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Now that word salvation is an all-inclusive word. It has to do with healing, preservation, protection, provision. All the wonderful promises of God is wrapped up in that one word, salvation. And when he shows me his salvation, he'll show me healing, he'll show me protection, he'll show me provision, he'll show me everything, all the promises of God is in his salvation. And he's going to satisfy me with long life, and all during that life, he's showing me his salvation. There's so much in, in this psalm. I mean, we just scratched the surface today. I gave you the highlights. But as you keep reading it, and meditating on it and getting it into your heart, you'll see more and more yourself. And you know, right now it's just a logos. It's just a written word on a page. But eventually things will start popping out at you and you'll receive the rhema or a revelation of it. And then it will just kerplunk into your heart. And then it becomes real to you. And that's when you embrace and you actually start living in that particular promise. And you'll be seeing it come to pass in your life. I can't tell you the amount of times where I've seen God's hand at work. I didn't see it before it came, but I could see the results of it. You know, he, he said in, to Nicodemus, Jesus said, you know, the, the wind listeth or the wind blows wherever it goes and you can't see it. But you know what? You can feel it and you can see where it's been. And that's the way it is with God. That's the way it is with the spirit. I can't see the Holy Spirit, but I can feel him. I, I can't tell where he's going, but I've seen where he came from because something happened. I got healed. I got a check in the mail. I, got, I, I avoided an accident. I avoided a trip to the dock. I can see where he's been. And it'll get to the place where you start seeing these things come to pass in your life. You'll recognize them. Uh, you'll, you'll walk into a situation and you say, hey, God just protected me. I was going to go down this particular street and they had a six car accident. But for some reason, I went the other way. I always go that way, but for some reason, I went the other way this morning. Hey, he protected me. He protected me from the, the, the destruction that lays at noon. 
And you'll start seeing these things in your life. But be faithful. Get in a relationship with God. Talk to him. That's all it is. You know, we make everything religious. And, you know, like I said, I used to talk for years when I prayed. I prayed in the King James. I thought that was the only language God understood. And then I got to where, where I could understand. And, you know, we have to be reverent. We have to be honorable, respectful of God's position. Because our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, holy be thy name. Yeah. He's telling us how to pray. But we can still have a relationship with, I don't have to worry about miss saying something wrong or, right. or anything like that, you know, because I don't always say the right things to pass the rep, but we still have a relationship. We still get along. God's the same way. Just yeah. talk to him. Yeah. And, and you don't have to be on your knees. You don't have to, you could be anywhere and talk to him. Yeah. He's with you. Just get it in your mind that he's with me. If you can get a revelation of him being with you, then you'll begin to talk to him. You won't think like you're talking to an imaginary friend, which a lot of, a lot of you don't even have imaginary friends because they won't play with you. But just, just know that he's there and talk to him. It's not that hard, is it? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. We'll have a word of prayer, and then I'm going to dismiss you. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the wonderful promises that you've given us, Lord. We thank you that no evil will befall us, neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling, because we have declared you as our refuge and our fortress. We have trusted in you, Lord. We have declared that you're our fortress, you're our, you're our shadow, you're our almighty God, and we're going to dwell in your presence, and we're going to reap the benefits and all the promises in the 91st Psalm, and not only the 91st Psalm, but if we're in relationship with you, the type of relationship we talked about today, all the promises of God are yea and amen to us. All the promises, we qualify for all the promises of God if we just stay under the shadow of the Almighty. So God, when we go to wander off, Holy Spirit, pull the reins on our heart. Bring us back to God. Hallelujah. There is nothing in our life, the things that we talk about, think about, uh, tell others about, sing about, uh, none of them are important. The only thing that's important is that you're at the top of that list. Of all the things that we consider to be important, we want you to be at the very top of that list, Lord. So we thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you and remember Jesus is Lord.